Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. We bring you leaders acting on their environmental values because too many people told me, I want to act, but if others don't, then what I do won't matter. We're here to make it obvious that you're not alone. You're part of a global community, a majority. Also, too many people told me, doing small things doesn't make enough of a difference and big things take too much work. Action matters more than the size you start with. You'll hear how action motivates guests from small things to doing big things. You won't find guilt, blame, doom, gloom, or telling people what to do. You will find leading without relying on authority, which brings what I found missing from acting on environmental values. Joy, discovery, growth, community, meaning, purpose, value, sharing. With global demand for environmental action, I bet you'll see that acting on your values doesn't distract from your life and career. Following these leaders' footsteps and beyond enjoying the environment, I bet you'll see promotions, raises, more loyalty and trust in your relationships, and more. Anywhere in America or around the world now, you can find other people who care about what you care about. Start a meetup, you can start a small group, you can go have a meeting once a week at the library, you can start a community garden, you, you, know, you can start a collective purchasing group, build a new community institution. There's more ability for people to be engaged and involved and to find people who care about the things that they care about, both because of the growing interest among companies, schools, churches, all of those kinds of places. But then also just if you have an idea, put it online, gather other people around it, share your ideas and see what you can make happen. Michael is the executive director of one of the most inspirational organizations I can think of. I urge you to watch their videos, the story of stuff, the story of bottled water, the story of solutions. There's a whole series of them. They're fun to watch, they're quick to watch, and they make a difference, at least to me. It's refreshing for me to talk to someone who does a lot more than most of us. He's knowledgeable and he's acting on the companies like Nestle, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and so on that are bringing all this plastic to the world. That's what we talk about most, but they do a lot more than just that. I hope you'll take to heart and act on what you learn from this podcast, but also what you get from watching the Story of Stuff videos. For most Americans, you can probably stop using 80% or more of the plastic that you use and in the process, improve your life. You won't be doing without. Recycling is nearly throwing out. Reducing your consumption, that's what makes a big difference. You don't have to buy or accept when people give you plastic. And that's what you'll get from the story of stuff and listen to Michael, the strength and resolve and purpose to refuse this stuff. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Michael Ohini. Michael, how are you? I'm great, Josh. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. And I want to start off by saying that the story of stuff, which you are the executive director. Executive director and uh, Annie, our founder, Annie Leonard, who's now the executive director of Greenpeace USA, when she released the original video in late 2007, was kind of overwhelmed, truthfully, by the, the attention that it received and the exposure that it received. And while she thought she was just putting a video on the internet. It ended up leading to the formation of this nonprofit, The Story of Stuff Project. And I came on board shortly after the founding of the project to basically help her develop the organization. And then when she went to Greenpeace, I stuck around and I'm now the executive director of the project. Whatever attention it got, I hope to bring it a lot more. I've recommended a video to so many people. It's, one, it's maybe the very top. It's pretty close to the top of, of my list of resources because it's so simple and so direct and so, you know, it's not full of blame or anything like that. It's just saying like, this is the way things are. And it really yeah. makes you think, so everyone listening to this right now, hit pause, 
<laughs> so storystuff.org. So there's the original video, then there's about bottles. There's, there's maybe a dozen videos that you guys have done. Yeah, there's 10 that we've done in the animated style. And then more recently, we've been experimenting with other forms of media. So we have a, um, uh, a podcast that we produced a couple of years ago that Annie actually hosted. We're doing short form documentary. We've had a sort of focus series the last couple of years on uh, fights around public water around the country. We're doing sort of short social media ready, you know, motion graphic kind of stuff. So while we're best known for the black and white animated explainers um, that we produced, um, now we're making all sorts of different kinds of media. Um, in many ways, we kind of tracked the changes in uh, how people make and consume media over the last decade. Well, I love what you guys, I mean, obviously, if you couldn't tell already, I love what you guys are doing. It, it gets to change a lot more. I mean, one of my big things is how I, let's see, it's been, I think I'm in month 16 since the last time I threw out my landfill garbage. Amazing. And, you know, it, people keep saying amazing and I increasingly, I feel like it's like, I feel like I'm a parent and someone, and like I said, you know, I changed the diaper every time my kid needs a diaper change and people are like, that's amazing. I'm like, that's just what you do. Right, 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 right. I mean, I have to go back to the beginning. I was at the beginning, I would have said that was amazing too, yep. but the more that you do it and the more you watch these like story of stuff and you start picking up that, you know, when did it become normal? that we just throw plastic all over the place and, and litter. I mean, I hope people who listen don't litter, but you know, it still makes it onto the landfills, even if you're not sure. you're on for hundreds of years, maybe thousands. When did that become normal and became impressive to not pollute it? Yeah, yeah, relatively recently. <laughs> it's a great, it's, you know, with one of the, one of our um, uh, focuses of the, uh, of the organization the last couple of years meant bottled water. And I like to actually, do this sort of thought experiment with folks because I'm not terribly old. I'm in my mid forties, but you know, when I was a kid, there was no such thing. I mean, you know, sure. There was sort of, you know, small, you know, small bottled water brands, sort of local or regional brands with spring water and those kinds of things. But this kind of, you know, I need to have this plastic bottle that I'm going to toss and likely not recycle to drink water is a new phenomenon. Um, so yeah, no, it's a, I, I like to actually, help people to think back to certainly my parents' generation didn't generate the, the kind of waste that, that we do and certainly didn't consume in the kind of manner in which we do. Just a quick aside, you're, I think you're hitting the microphone a bit because I'm getting some static on there. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and Yeah, there was a while ago I saw, it was a story in some newspaper and it showed the, a graph of world plastic production. Yeah. And all right, I'm also in my, well, the 47, so I guess that's late 40s. And it reminded me of what, what is popularly known as the crying Indian ad, or public service yeah. announcement. Yes. And it showed, the graph that I saw showed the growth of plastic production. And pre the 70s, it was vanishingly small. You could barely see it. Yeah. And there was an ad, for people who don't know, I'll put the link in, in the, because it's on YouTube. Sure. Uh, there was this ad, a public service announcement that showed a Native American walking through some pristine area. And he comes to some areas where, it's really polluted and some people's just throwing garbage out the car windows and sure. uh, he cries. Yep. Well, all of the world production of all plastic ever up to that point was like a week of what we do today. Yeah. And that was a crying shame. And yeah. now it's kind of like, Oh, well maybe we can get rid of some straws. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so two things quickly. One that crying Indian ad as it's known was sponsored by keep America beautiful. 
which ironically was a nonprofit formed by beverage, snack, and other packaged food industry uh, companies. And so um, a very specific purpose of that ad was to convince people that the real litter bugs were the people who were throwing things out of their cars. So this is in the 70s, roadside litter, among many other environmental problems, um, were a focus of much attention. So it was the beginning of a real effort among um, uh, companies that, you know, are, to my mind, the true litter bugs that actually put these materials into commerce, um, convince us that they're, you know, convenient and all of those kinds of things. But that ad was actually sponsored by, um, uh, sponsored by those companies. Um, but two, the ramp up, as you mentioned, in plastic production, um, you know, we do quite a bit of work around plastic pollution. And one of the things that we're really trying to do is focus people's attention, not just on the sort of end of life, the wildlife impacts in the oceans that, you know, have been getting an enormous amount of attention over the last two years, and rightfully so, but to make sure people understand that um, plastic is part of a larger uh, production system and that uh, there are huge upstream impacts. There are impacts the way, around the way that we consume plastics in terms of their toxicity. Um, but despite the fact that we know about the end-of-life problems, about the upstream impacts, and about the ways that it might impact our health, um, plastic production is forecast to, to increase even over the next two decades dramatically, partly fueled by the fracking and oil and gas boom. So cheap oil prices... Uh, the the sort of glut of hydrocarbons that have come online because of the fracking boom, uh, the petrochemical, petrochemical companies, in many ways the oil and gas companies and the plastics companies are the same folks, um, are looking for ways to create more value out of that oil and glass, uh, gas that is, glutting, is a, sort of glutting the market. And so plastic production is one of the ways they're doing that. The scary thing about that is the bulk of the growth uh, that is projected by the industry is in single-use disposable, largely unrecyclable plastics. Uh -huh. So it's not the sort of, you know, it's not the durable plastics that are used in healthcare or in car fenders to lightweight cars, those kinds of things. It is these, you know, little plastic sachets or single-serve, you know, gummy bears or chips or those kinds of things, plastic water bottles, you know, all sorts of uh, plastic packaging the kind of stuff that super annoys people, um, that is increasing dramatically uh, or is forecast to uh, increase dramatically over the next uh, 10, 20 years. I'm, um, I, if you could see my face, there's this, uh, the listeners, there's this mix of fascination at what's going on <laughs> and partly depressed and partly yeah. encouragement because I know you guys are doing something about it and I'm trying right. to think about it. Right. Sometimes the most important thing is, is having your sort of, is grasping the, the scale of the of the challenge and the problem, um, making sure that the kinds of stories that uh, we know and that we're told are actually true, and sort of busting up some of the myths, and then uh, ultimately for us, I don't want to be a source of terror for people. Uh, it's understanding the system can lead to better solutions, and you know ultimately that's where we want to go. So, but you know around something like plastics or water or any of the other kinds of resource issues that we're having. I think it's super important for us to truly understand the system, uh, who the villains are, uh, who the potential heroes are, um, what's actually happening uh, when we're thinking about how to solve the problem. Yeah, there were, you're making me think a couple of videos 
Now, I came in with a systems perspective. Uh, limits sure. to growth was one of the big things that, that brought me in this direction. So I recommend yep. people read the 30-year update of the limits to growth yep. and, you know, and, and read it with an open mind because, anyway, that's another story. But the video that you guys had on, it was kind of like a video, no, uh, like a board game. I forget the title of it. Yeah, Story of Solutions. It really brought, it made the systems perspective make a lot of sense. Yep. And the upstream part, the, your videos is where I first heard about that. And it didn't even occur to me, but what's, so if I get one piece of, if I get a pound of plastic, yeah. uh, what, how much upstream have I put? Massive, massive amount, well, one, massive, massive amounts of waste and environmental impact before you even, you know, open that uh, bottle of soda or that chip bag or, um, you know, what have you. Uh, or unwrap that apple. This is my favorite thing. Now we're individually wrapping apples and bananas and those kinds of things. It's nuts. Um, but uh, significant upstream impact. So, you know, places like Western Pennsylvania that are uh, being impacted, their water quality is being impacted by fracking. So the actual production of the hydrocarbons. Then you've got these things, um, a huge number of proposals now for what are called cracker plants around the United States. So what cracker plants do is they take the um the gas from fracking they basically crack the molecules to create the building blocks of plastics but these crack these cracker plants are hugely polluting huge energy sucks um and there's a series of proposals for them in western pennsylvania and texas around houston um and if the i think th what 250 300 or so cracker plants that are proposed come online they alone would have the um co2 emissions of the country of argentina so this is just this is just in the pre-plastic production phase before you get to actually the plastics themselves, the additives that they put in plastics, the exposures of the production of workers and the fence line communities around these plants, all of those kinds of impacts, which are uh, immense and truthfully have a much more significant human health impact uh, before we get the thing than any plastic consumption is ever going to have on a person who is you know, gets microbeads in their mouth or uh, has microfibers, plastic microfibers in their water, those kinds of things. The real human impacts of plastic, uh, human health impacts of plastic production are, are upstream. So even before we see the material, uh, it's had this massive environmental impact. And then the crazy thing is we use all of those resources, all of that energy and all of that money to produce this piece of plastic that then just gets tossed. Um, you know, 99% of stuff gets thrown out within a month or something like that. It just gets tossed. And so economic, I mean, just forget the environment, forget human health, forget, you know, wildlife, all of those kinds of things. Just economically, it's an astoundingly wasteful and stupid system. You did something that was valuable to you, what you cared about, and you became a leader yep. like in a major force, certainly for me. I hope people listening are thinking if they want to be a leader, like, and they care about this sort of issue to act on this is one of the most value is probably going to help them more than almost anything else. They act on your passion. I mean, you know, listen, easier said than done. Right. I mean, I was, I, I had a lot of opportunities. I had opportunities to really learn at the knee of some incredible leaders. I mean, you know, I said earlier, I think it's important to listen for me. I, I mean, knowing the leaders, the activists, the researchers, the, you know, reporters, investigators um, who I've had an opportunity to meet. I mean, I pick up things from them constantly. I'm constantly referring back to folks I worked with 20 years ago from whom, you know, I learned a quick thing. Yeah, you know, I've had a lot of fantastic experiences, but those experiences have been um, really 
made great by the other kinds of leaders that I've been able to come into contact with. You know, and I'll go back again to, I think, one of the most important things about being a leader, this is certain, certainly something that I try to practice in my organization, is doing a lot of listening, is, you know, understanding where people are coming from. What great ideas do you have? Um, you know, we have a pretty... Um, what I would say, sort of horizontal team. I mean, there's not a lot of hierarchy in our organization. You know, people bring ideas to the table, we try them out, we throw them up against the wall, see what sticks. And so both this sort of experience that I've had, and then again, continuing to surround myself with um, super interesting, smart, uh, you know, compelling leaders. It's been a real gift. Are you enjoying meeting this guest? Are you thinking about what you care about? I recommend making it active. Think about what you could do, not just analyze and plan, not do what others tell you to, but to live by your values. You'll enjoy your results, people will follow you more than you think, and you'll impact more than you expect. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast for examples of what others have done. Can I run by you an idea that I've had lately that I want to maybe give a shot? Yeah, of course. I want to make happen. So I think one of the big things is we can measure the amount of plastic or the amount of emissions and things like that, but that's the result. I think the cause, the cause is our behavior. Our behavior comes from our emotions and motivations. And I think two really big ones that get me are, I want to do something, but if I do something and no one else does, what I do doesn't really matter, which is a very yep. sad thing to think. It's you know, saying what yep. I do doesn't have meaning. And the other one is kind of similar. Is if, if I do this small thing, it doesn't make a difference, but that big thing takes too much effort, so I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, I've been thinking about how to get people to do... A lot of people say, if everyone does a little bit, then it all adds up, which... I don't know, if everyone in the world stops using straws, it's not that big of a difference. It's still, and I think you run the risk of people doing small things and thinking, good, I'm done, and not doing yep. other things. So I came up with this idea, and I, you're only the second person I've talked to that isn't like a close personal friend, that is a, mm -hmm. a hashtag, 1L1P, where 1L means either, L can mean either litter or less. So one piece of litter, because I pick up one, at least one piece of trash per day, and put it in a trash can. This is not mm -hmm. decreasing anything. This is only moving it to another place. But it also raises your awareness yep. in a way that just reading doesn't do. And once you pick up one per yep. day, you eventually will pick up two. And one, so someone said to me, Josh, I'm a germaphobe. I'm not gonna pick stuff off the ground. So I said, all right, for you, we could do one less. So instead of picking something up, you know, instead of getting something, get something with, you know, instead of getting some chips, you know, get an apple that's not wrapped. And, or, you know, instead of getting a disposable cup, you know, use a reusable cup. And the one P is tell one person. So every day, pick up one piece of litter and tell one person also to join 1L1P. The idea being that mm -hmm. it gives you something to do that's modest, but still doable. But if everyone tells one person and you keep telling one person every day, you get exponential growth. Now, will this pick up? I don't know. Yeah. But so yeah. talking to you when, you, when I think, when I hear some of the scale you're talking about, I'm thinking, oh, this, nothing is on that scale. On the other hand, I've changed a lot in a couple of years, much more than I would have thought. And it's bringing about joy and fun, and I really like it. Yep. Yeah. No, I think it's important. I mean, oh, I'm so sorry. we have. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you again. No, go ahead. So you also take a picture of this and post it with the hashtag. And so we put up, and so that's, you know, who knows which hashtags are going to take off like crazy, but maybe this would be one. Yep. If I can suggest one more step, and when you're posting that picture and tagging it, tag the company who created the packaging in the first place. So we're experimenting right now with a basically a hack of beach cleanups, right? So beach cleanups. 
super um, popular and in many ways, very important environmental action. Hundreds of people get together, schools and companies sponsor teams to go and work together to clean up a shoreline. Problem is, of course, three days later, the shoreline has plastic on it again, because you haven't actually stopped the plastic from getting into the environment, um, but you've picked it up. But working together, being out and participating, all of those, I think, are important indicators to people that, you know, they're doing the right thing and, 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 and the likelihood that they will participate in the future is increased if they have a good event. Our hack of the beach cleanup is to do what's called a brand audit, where you're both collecting but then sorting the trash that you have picked up and getting a sense of what are the kinds of materials that are ending up in the environment and then what companies made those materials that are getting into the environment. So, you know, I agree with you, culture and um, sort of personal make at the store or, uh, you know, that our businesses or schools or, or, you know, places of worship, the kinds of decisions that we make about the materials that we buy and bring into those places, all of those things are super important. I think that's one leg in the stool, culture and personal behavior. There's another leg, which is technology. What are the kinds of changes that happen in terms of, in terms of plastic? It might be in terms of material science or the ways that we deliver products, those kinds of things. And then there's politics. There's decisions about the kinds of rules we make about either what materials get into the system in the first place, what's safe for humans, what's safe for the environment. And so that's the rule of the, the world of sort of rules and regulations. So I think it's important that you focus on all three of those things. I, you know, I, I get, I think you're, what you're telling me is your interest and focus is around the sort of culture and behavior piece. Again, very important. But I think if you add that step of saying to the companies, hey, I just picked up this piece of trash that, that you created, you're sending a signal that is stronger than just I'm refusing this product at the checkout. You're sending a stronger signal, and particularly in this era, a sort of reputational signal to those companies that you take the kind of packaging that they put into the world seriously. And the likelihood that they're going to get that signal and start to think about redesigning their packaging, using safer materials, redesigning the way that those products are delivered to us. Because at the end of the day, most of us just want the thing that's in the packaging. We don't want the packaging. So uh, the more we can sort of signal to companies who ultimately, I think, hold responsibility for what gets put into commerce in the first place, the more we can signal to companies that, w that, that I'm doing my part by living in alignment with my values, um, and I want you to live in closer alignment with uh, values of sustainability, health, democracy as well. Um, I think that's important. Uh, having said that, the personal behavior stuff, super important. Um, the way that we put it is uh, those kinds of behavioral changes, when you choose to reduce the amount of trash that you uh, create, when you choose to select a fair trade product over a conventional product or an organic food over a conventional food, you're sending... Or just yeah, or less, something. or or just less stuff entirely. Well, thinking along those lines is what's been driving one of the big things about this podcast. That, that one of the things I ask people is, well, I I try I want to bring on leaders because I think, and I ask them at their option if they're willing to take on a cha take on a challenge of something that they're not already doing that they could do to live by their values more. Because I think that people listening when they hear other people doing something, that it makes it more likely for them to do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And what I ask is people to, if, if the, usually most people have something that they've been thinking about doing. And I always point out, it doesn't have to change. It doesn't have to fix all the world's problems all by yourself overnight. Yeah. Uh, but it can't be telling other people what to do. And it can't be something you're already doing. And I wonder if you'd be willing to take on a challenge. I, I'd be 
super willing to. I'd have to actually, it's, if there was something that came to the top of my head, I would mention it, but there's not something that comes to the top of my head. I know I need to get back on my bike more, um, but truthfully, I live in the Bay Area and I don't really use the car that often anyway. I use public transportation to get to work. Um, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be psyched to. I'd just have to think a little bit about what um, that might look like. Do you, do you have suggestions of things that other folks have done? Well, I will point out one thing. You said that the bike, one of the things I realized is that the, what matters is not how big the thing is that they do. It matters yeah. if they do it because yeah. increasingly I view it as a matter of skills more than a matter of the, the total output of what you do the first time. Uh-huh. So even if you did something, I mean, because of the way the bike thing came out quickly, yeah. my read was that it's something you care about. And yep. I think that if you started riding, even if it was only a few times a month, I predict that you would start getting into a new mode right. where you start doing more. I'm not sure. And so- That's interesting. I like that. Like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, it's certainly been the case for me. You know, once I started avoiding packaging for food, what happened, I originally did it for environmental reasons, but that's not why I do it now, although it matters. I do it because it's delicious. Yeah. I mean, my, my diet is more better tasting now than ever. It also happens to be saving money and it's more, uh, people have listened to the podcast, hear me talk about this all the time. And I think that what you think you see now, you'll see more when you do it. So yeah. my reaction is to go with what came out really quickly. Yeah. I'd be psyched to do that. So then I wonder if we could schedule a second conversation to share what that experience was like. Totally. Yeah. I'd be happy to. Okay. So after we finish, then, then we'll schedule that. Great. Uh, I like to end with asking two questions. Is there anything I didn't think to ask to bring up? And is there anything that you'd like to say directly to the listeners that I didn't ask about? I, you know, I don't think so. I, I mean, thanks, Josh. It's been a really super interesting conversation. I really enjoyed talking and you definitely gave me some food for thought. Um, and, you know, I think the only thing I would say to the listeners is, um, uh, invite them to, you know, watch some of our content, participate in, you know, get to know our community a little bit better. Um, it's a super interesting, like I said, million people, really global. I mean, uh, Europeans, Asians, Africans, North Americans, South Americans. I mean, it's a really, it's an interesting, diverse community. Um, and, um, you know, I would encourage people who are looking for opportunities to participate around, you know, whether it's public water privatization or plastic pollution, um, uh, as two of our main sort of campaigns right now. But really everything from, you know, uh, creating a cancer-free economy to internet-connected toys and devices for children, um, a huge range of issues related to, to, to stuff. So I would just invite people to, to get to know. You know, you can do that at org on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, blog, all usual suspects. Man, yeah, you guys are right at the middle of a lot of stuff and with such a great, per, such a productive perspective. So, I, yeah, I reiterate that. I, I recommend watching all the story stuff videos and getting in touch. One quick question that I, I meant to ask earlier. You are in a leadership role yeah. and you talked about all the leaders that you work with. Mm-hmm. So for someone who wants to be productive yeah. in this area, would you say there are more opportunities or fewer opportunities now than when you first got started for someone to be productive and take a leadership role? Uh, I would say way uh, for two reasons. One, um, I mean, even when I was getting, yeah, yeah, of course, uh, I would say way more opportunities. Um, So 
uh, even when I started out 25 years ago to now, the consciousness around um, environmental impacts, the roles in uh, companies, in universities, in schools, churches, um, and in you know nonprofit organizations, among advocates or researchers, science people to express leadership around these issues um, are just so many more than they were even 25 years ago. Um, so yes, I think there are more, there are certainly more opportunities, um, uh, to express leadership when I started. The other thing I would just say is it is so much easier now because of the internet to find people who care about the things that you care about. Um, and so while, you know, I live in the Bay area and there's a whole lot of organizations who work on these kinds of issues anywhere in America or around the world. Now you can find other people who care about what you care about start a meetup, you can start a small group, you can, you know, go have a meeting once a week at the library, you can start a community garden, you, you know, you can start a, you know, collective purchasing group, there's, you know, build a new community institution, there's just more ability for people to be engaged and involved and to find people who care about the things that they care about. So yeah, I would say, both because of the, you know, growing interest among companies, schools, churches, all of those kinds of places, but then also just if you have an idea, um, put it online, you know, gather other people around it, you know, share your ideas and see what you can make happen. Michael, thank you very much. Thanks, Josh. I really enjoyed it. As I said before, it's refreshing to talk to someone who doesn't just treat plastic and waste as something we simply have to accept as part of modern life and that he's doing something about it by taking these companies on head on and also himself reducing waste. I have to say, it's really difficult to swallow that with the fracking and so forth, that we're going to get an increase in the amount of plastic. And it's plastic that we use for sometimes a couple seconds before it just goes back into the environment. Unless we actively reduce our consumption so these companies don't make it, we as individuals can make a difference. I hope you do. You do not have to buy or accept when people give you stuff that you don't want. You can simply decline. I do it all the time. It's challenging sometimes. They really want to give you those bags, but you can do it. And I hope this conversation, as well as the Story of Stuff videos, helped give you the resolve to decline that stuff and improve your life by doing so. Does hearing leaders acting on their values make you think of yours? Nothing will make you feel better than acting on them. Value means better. Acting on your values means improving your life. Committing publicly helps many people and builds community too. If you want, click on Commit to a Personal Challenge to share what you do with this community. You'll be a leader among leaders. We're more than a podcast. We're a movement to share how acting on environmental values means fun, joy, growth, and so on, not sacrifice or deprivation. If you want to join or help, contact me at joshatspodak.net or at joshuaspodak.com slash podcast. You'll grow as a leader, you'll enjoy yourself, and the world and your communities will thank you for it.